Welcome to the Imperfectly Perfect Campaign, sharing real-life stories from real people to unite them in global change for the face of mental health. We will also reduce the stigma, creating communication, healing, and awareness to save lives and inspire. Join us weekly as we talk to some of the highly acclaimed faces, influencers, experts, and others who have been through extreme adversity. All right, guys, so welcome to an exciting round of the Imperfectly Perfect podcast. So last year, this time last year, actually, we've just been working it out. I had an incredible guest who became such a great friend who has always been there for me, supportive, and uh, I hope I do the same for her. But this is amazing. Letitia Fry, she, she came on this time last year, and she had such an amazing response from this podcast. Our episode just blew up with her, her story. So we've been, obviously, in contact for much of this year, and she's back today. So before I do welcome her, I just want to say um, who she is a little bit more for any of our new listeners. So Letitia Fry, she encompasses passion in every aspect of her work, whether teaching best practices in fundraising, auction, Auctioning items at galas, volunteering with the very group she's working to raise money for. She believes that the secret to her success is passion for what she's doing at all times. Celebrating over 14 years in the auction business and having raised up $500 million for charity, Letitia has truly earned a title as the auction tainer. She has an innovative flair and treats each event as a special performance. Today, she is found on stage with some of the most recognizable celebrities in the world, including Johnny Depp, musician Alice Cooper, Rocky legend Robbie Krieger of The Doors, and many more. She's able to effortlessly combine her expertise in entertainment, fashion, fundraising, and human, humanitarian efforts to help so many in need and make a difference in people's lives. In addition, she's a motivational speaker and aspiring author, which we can touch upon before we go into the story. Um, but yeah, I just want to say welcome back, Letitia. Like, you're an amazing woman. And yeah, the response to your episode last time was incredible. So uh, thanks, Juan. How's things been over the past year? You know, it's good, it's good to be back from one, and I can't believe it's been a year. I mean, that's, uh, what a year. Wow. Um, and I am currently down at a friend's place in La Jolla, California, so if you're seeing the view outside there, last time I was on a wall in the desert in Arizona. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I would say the answer is life is good, but wow, did I, if I look back at the episode that you and I discussed, where a lot of the concentration of it was those loved ones that I lost, uh, who took their lives, um, and a lot of the ramifications that came around that and the people that have to survive that and what it meant um, to really, really open up a, um, a true conversation about mental health. And I think about what we've gone through, not only on your continent and mine and what the entire world has now gone through in this past year, there is no greater time to discuss mental health because we are in a collective suffering and now going through a collective PTSD. So mental health is at the forefront, but it is in a completely different capacity than you and I discussed last year. And I myself went through the fires this year and, and was really caught off guard for as much as you can know, discuss, or be a part of a mental health campaign, you can still get completely blindsided and completely swept off your feet. Uh, I'm at a hundred percent. So I'm dying to dive into this. I'm thrilled to be back and I have a lot to share that was extremely humbling and um, really, really dark days, really dark days. Yeah, I, well, I'll put it into context how we first met. So I was over in LA and I literally one day, and this is where I talk about serendipitous moments. One day I was scrolling Instagram. I, I, I didn't know you because I'm from Australia and then England. And then there was just this post that popped up and it was so brutally raw. 
And I was like, that is everything about the campaign. I just want no holes barred, just, just get straight to the cut because we need to make a change with mental health. So I reached out to you and I remember you got back to me within, I think, about the hour. And the next day you flew from Arizona to LA to shoot for the campaign and, and share and spend the day with my family. Um, so yeah, that's just a bit of context. And I heard your story then. And as you say, you was talking about the, the genesis of what happened with your relationship the first time that you met your partner back in Venice and spent your days growing up there for him to pass by suicide and losing other people. But I suppose delving in, and I'll put the link to the last episode so people can get a gist of that. But going forward with this, let's delve deep then. What, what has been happening for you in terms of, what I want to say is, I think people think, and why I created this podcast is, what works for one person doesn't work for the other. And it is a continuation of work on yourself, isn't it? So I suppose let's yes, start Yes, it is. Okay, so, you know, I'm a published author. It's funny because even when you're going through my um, bio, I'm like, well, I got to update that for him because it's amazing how time passes. And um, published author came out in July, uh, you know, for myself, having gone through a traumatic brain injury and then having gone through the suicide of my children's father, then gone through the suicide of what should have been my stepchild. And by the time you and I spoke, we now are at a pandemic. So my entire industry is upheavaled. My entire savings is gone. My house is lost. You know, you're back into trauma and tragedy. Now, if you've been through trauma and tragedy in the past, you know, um, you've learned through adversity. There's a lot to be there, but there's also a lot that happens to you internally that you've got to become aware of. So for anyone that's read my book, I talk about sources of strength and how to build value when you have none and what the secrets are to bringing that, that sense of self back. So you think that, you know, I know a thing or two about a thing or two being through that. And I remember going one of like the biggest sort of tipping points for me around June of this last year in 2020 was when I found myself in meditation and prayer and thinking, you know what, God, thank you so much for the accident and the brain injury and, you know, the, the deaths in my family, because truthfully, this pandemic is a lot, but I have experience in this. And then I stopped myself and thought, wait a minute, I can thank for adversity once I'm through it, but how come I can't thank what I'm in right now? How come I can't find gratitude like right now, even though I'm like struggling financially, physically, mentally, emotionally? And the truth was, is that the internal struggle that was going on, I was being really quiet about. I didn't realize how much of my PTSD from those past traumas had surfaced during this. And a lot of those symptoms, like the ringing in my ear, the lack of sleep, the temper that was kind of coming in and out, and once again, looking at a mirror in the bathroom and wanting to put my fist through it, that's not really my MO, and thinking that's because it's the anniversary of the death of, of my children's father. Um, and it wasn't. What it was was actual true trauma I was going through then. And something really um, humbling happened to me. About July, I was just... I mean, just not even myself, Glenn, almost unrecognizable. It took all the way through to about, I would say, about the fall. And in October, I, I'm, again, like you and so many of the people I know, I was so determined to save my family, my industry, and people around me. I'm a giver, 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 you know, the, the disease to please. And that is something that had to come to a halt because when the pandemic hit, I didn't sleep for months, months trying to take new platforms into streaming, save the industry as far as taking live television, which was my background and bring it in. So 
you know, teaching my, all of my mentees how to do it, helping my children get them online, how to get one to college. And I didn't notice that I was slipping down this rabbit hole and slipping down this rabbit hole and that I was going through this PTSD until about the fall when in all honesty, I felt like I had voices in my head. I was like, what, what is going on with me? I was secretly quietly suffering because I didn't want everyone to know how exhausted I was, how scared I was, and how much I was started to slip mentally. And I would think, okay, wait a minute. I know about this stuff. I've written a book on how to get back. So I tested it. And then I'll be honest with you, Glenn, on the outside to the world, saving it and helping everyone around me I remember one mentee calling because she was in a complete panic about something that happened in her real estate business. And I had to say, you know what? I can't help you. I'm just trying to help me. Like I have nothing. And if I keep giving out and giving out, I'm going under. And so is my family. And it got to the point when where I was so scared and I would actually spend my days, and I'm going to be totally honest, from the moment I woke up to the moment I went to sleep, wondering how I could end my life. And you'd be smiling on the outside and secretly thinking, well, I'm out running. I've been hit by a car. I wonder if I could just maybe go in front of this car. Or you'd be driving and think, well, I wonder if my car could just go off of there. And you're thinking, what is wrong with me? I have two children that I love and would do anything for. I have friends, family, a vibrant life, so much to live for. What's wrong with me? But see, I've had to work with young adults, particularly teens. That's exactly how they took their life. I have it all. I'm too feeling guilty to tell my parents. I'm feeling that's why they ended their life because of this internal dialogue that they were too embarrassed to bring out. And this all came at about a catalyst for me because again, those that don't know me, I work within the nonprofit industry and I spend my time around people that have lost their limbs, going through cancer, ALS. I mean, talk about perspective. I've written a book on this perspective and suddenly I'm slipping down this hole thinking, come on. I, I wrote a book on this. What is wrong with me? So I'm putting all these things into practice. And finally, Glenn, it got to the point where I'm like, all right, I need help. I need help. And so I actually reached out first and foremost to a friend. And interestingly enough, a friend that I had mentored in the past, and he's a lot younger than me. I'm 51, and he's only in his early 20s. And he had flesh-eating bacteria, which is known as necrotizing fasciitis. It's flesh-eating bacteria. When he was about 20 years old, and woke up out of a coma with no legs and no hands and has certainly been through a tremendous journey of survival. And Kainoa has been extremely outspoken about his journey with mental health, getting off of the depression from opiates and the depression from um, having no limbs, all of this. And he's on his Instagram is, is live like Kainoa. And I, he'd be a great person for this campaign, but I'd helped him a lot. You know, you find yourself helping others and talking about spirituality and this journey. So I reached out to him. But ironically, a couple of weeks before I reached out to him, I was in a meeting with a nonprofit that they also know him. And he came up because he was going to be our speaker. And it came up with everyone who was what I would call typical, meaning we have our arms and legs. You wouldn't see us as being um, disabled, you know? And we were in this um, uh, room, so safe social distance, so we could talk about this outdoor event that we were going to do in November. And he was going to be the speaker uh, along with another man that had overcome insurmountable odds, loss of limbs, all of that. And they said, you know, it's a wonder he's alive. And would you really blame him if he wasn't? And I was sitting there struggling inside, feeling so low about myself and hiding the fact that really 
look, I won't take my life. My children's father did. And so it's off the table. It's not an option. But that makes it even worse when you wake up all day and how you're spending your day is wondering, I don't want to be here. This is horrible because I know I can't get out. It's not even an option. And I still can't help these feelings. It's horrible. And now I'm sitting in a room where somehow they're going to tell me, well, if he did, we would understand. And I realize if he did, we would all say, you know what? I'm amazed he made it as far as he did. But if I do, I'm going to go down. Can you believe it? Can you believe someone like her with all that would actually do that? And that's making me feel even worse inside, even worse. So then I reach out to him and we talk through it that day. And he said, look, it's time to get to the doctor. It's time to ask for help. And I completely understand. I said, you know, I knew you would. And I do. And I did end up going to my doctor. And what I found out was life altering and also something that made me want to speak about this even more with you today for women. But what happened behind the scenes was even more interesting because in the case of him, I found out from his mom a few weeks later that when I, after I, he hung up with me, he said, well, mom, she called me and she's actually in a really bad place and definitely a suicide risk. But why? She has everything. And even he didn't understand why. And so after I had gotten on my feet and talked to my doctor, Kaino and I are very, very close and we had worked together that night, I called him and said, hey, you know what? You wear your scars on the outside. You go in a room in a wheelchair with your you know, uh, service dog, we know why. I walk in with my service dog in heels and a dress, you don't know why. In fact, most people think he's not even a real service dog, and he is, for PTSD, for panic attacks, and for a variety of things that come from a brain injury and deaths and all the rest of it. You wear yours on the outside, mine are on the inside, and my limbs are just as severed. And it is hard, but that's one of the things I wanted to bring up with you today in our conversations around mental health, mm -hmm. that it's one thing to be honest that we've had it, but is you really being honest on how you handle when someone tells you it? So the other night at dinner, someone that again, and this is what I want to bring up. Look, I'm a strong woman. I've written a book about it. I've known about it. I'm meant to be about it. I get it. And I'm glad to be known as that strong woman, but I'm still a human being. I still know what it means to have a very human experience despite my spirituality. I know what it means to suffer. I know what it means to, know, I'll be honest, to know what the taste of an empty gun tastes like in the barrel in my mouth. I'm not going to do it. I'm never going to do it. But it doesn't make the daily experience any easier. In fact, it makes it worse. And so I think some of the things when I went to my doctor and I was so honest, and this is a super together woman, and I sat down with her and I don't know if in your country, but in ours, they have their little, you know, no, you know, laptops now, and they're just looking at the results of your test or whatnot. And, and instead of calling her by her full name, Dr. Ellsworth, I go, look, I don't really care what your little computer over there says. Something's wrong. Jessica. I said, today you're Jessica because I'm in trouble. And she said, you know what? You are in trouble. And unbeknownst to me from the stress of the pandemic, which should take three years for a woman of my age, I went through menopause in nine months, nine months. My estrogen had gone from an 89 to a nine. And I literally was going insane. My hormones were off the charts. My stress levels, my cortisols were off the charts. And she looked at me and said, I don't even know how you're standing here. And let alone looking the way you do. I don't get it. And you know what, Gwen, that's what happened to me after my um, accident. When I was hit by a car while running and thrown 15 feet in the air and landed on my head, split my head open and had a brain injury with staples in my head, my neurologist, it took 
six months to come up with a diagnosis that I had in my cerebellum because he said, but the problem is you don't look sick enough. People with your diagnosis can't do the things you're doing until one of my other doctors said, well, you don't know who she's like before the accident. Nobody just runs 60 miles because they can at 50 years old for no reason. Nobody does all these things she does. You're, you're, you're weighing her by the average instead of what she's normally like. So I wanted to bring this to you today to say it's a lot like that. You don't look sick enough to have mental health. And even if we come out and say, I've struggled with this, then what? So the other night at dinner with one of my mentees, she said, hey, in front of a few of us, I'm depressed. And everyone kind of looked because she's super, super strong, single mom, personality, and they kind of went, oh, but you know what? I looked across that table. I know that look. I know that look. So I didn't say anything. I waited till everyone left. I waited till she was driving home and I called her. And I told her about my days of what it's like to wake up. And by the time that you go to sleep, wonder if maybe you just don't have to get up anymore. And she said, wow, you get it. And I said, I do. And she said, and it's horrible because I'd never do it. But I don't know what's wrong with me. And I said, you're, you're depressed, honey. You're depressed. And you have PTSD and you're depressed. And it's going to be not only you, but people around you. We're grieving a lost life. We're grieving a life we once knew that it's done. Even if you come back, what are you going to go back to completely normal? It's, there's no such thing. You don't go backwards. So now there's people all over. During this past year since I last talked to you, I had two of my daughter's college-age friends. One called me at 4 o'clock in the morning, come pick me up at the university not far from me to take my life. Another one that came in home to my house, I feel suicidal because they're going through loss and grief. And now the world is going through this and people in record numbers are coming out. So it's one thing to be able to talk about mental health, but are you ready to be the person when the person that you're sitting across from doesn't look like someone who needs help, needs help. Mm -hmm. They need you just as much as anyone else. If they rolled up in a wheelchair, if they came in after the death of one of their children, great. What if they look fine? Because those are the people like your friend, which is precisely why we're here. That's how it started with you, Glenn. Someone that on the outside that you felt was a disruptor that you needed to do for social media. No, I think it's beyond social media you need to disrupt. It's our behavior as humans in everyday interactions you need to disrupt. Because when I called that young woman back and said, I see you, and I told her the truth about my days feeling that way, which by the way are gone, I feel like a million bucks and I'm so glad to feel this way, but I'm also not naive enough to know that that still exists out there. But when I see someone in that look in their face, I know that look in their face. I had another friend, very good looking, successful dentist who happens to have been married to a man. They lost their child. They went through a divorce and he too had that same look, but you know, he's great. You're supposed to be perfect because what you're wealthy, you're good looking, you're this. No, they're not. So when we say, you know, are you okay? And you even have a day, are you okay day? You know, uh, no. But what happens when someone says no? That's where the conversation is. You know, if you don't pass the bill to be mentally health okay, then what? So for that one friend that, that was only a week ago, I went ahead and sent her flowers and said, on this day, I see you. I see you. And she already said, and I said, it's time to see a doctor. It's time. And in my case, that meant a patch that I took of, of uh, estrogen that I put on twice a week and take some progesterone and I'll go to sleep. And it felt like a million bucks. But I had journaled through the whole thing, Glenn, and the pain was so real. And then I thought, well, how many women are going through this and not saying anything? And, and you know, that's the thing about mental health. Sometimes it's a chemical imbalance. Sometimes it's a hormonal imbalance. Sometimes it's a pandemic. Mm. Sometimes it's a loss of a limb. 
And recently, while I was a keynote speaker on a, on a huge manufacturer's um, really business thing, and they had me in kind of on how these adversities that I was talking about can become opportunities and value also applies to business. And they said, well, you know, the, the interviewer said, Letitia, you know, you were hit by a car, you had two suicides in your family, you know, a lot of people become motivational speakers, or become, you know, out to help other humans, when they go through this level of trauma, um, because, you know, they want to, they've woken up, they've had the big wake up call, you know, don't wait to be, I've told you this before, Glenn, don't wait till you're laying on the side of the road, hit by a car to wake up. And I said, but what do you think this pandemic is? Mm. Welcome to your tragedy. And if it's your first tragedy, I'm so sorry. Because the rest of us that have already been through the ringer, we know a thing or two about a thing or two, and we still need help. But if this is your first, I am so sorry, because it is not easy to get back up. But we understand. And isn't that what we're supposed to be doing for each other? Yeah. My, my scars, your scars are here. Your friend that you lost on social media looked great. And your whole Imperfectly Perfect campaign was set out to disrupt social media so we could stop putting on this BS whole perfect lens that we're doing. Well, guess what? That lens is in your day-to-day -day life. It's not even, is there even a line between you and your social media? How about how you are with other people? I'm faulted for that. You know, you look too good to be sick. You look okay to have problems. Look at you. That's what I think this is more about than ever before. Yeah. So you're not okay. Now what? You know, now what? It's okay to know that on the outside you can look fine and you're still struggling. And it's even more okay that I know I'm never going to take my life. It's not going to happen. But that makes it even me feel so much worse when I'm going through it. And once in a while, because tomorrow is and would have been my husband's 53rd birthday. And he put a gun to his head almost six years ago. And the truth of the matter is, sometimes I go, you know what? Lucky you. Lucky you. Because you don't have to worry about how to pay for the kids to get educated or their mental health or put them through college, or you don't have to go through this pandemic. And I don't want to feel that way, but you know what? I have empathy for him and a little envy sometimes. And that's the truth. Because the truth is, this human experience is really, really hard. But the spiritual part of it is what gets us through. And it's also what connects us. And that's something I wanted to tell you more than anything today. This is a human experience. You are a spiritual person in a human experience. And that human experience is hard. It's why the Buddhists say life is struggling. Life is suffering. That, that's why. Because it is. But it's those moments of grace, of connectivity that we connect on, on a soul level, on a spiritual level, that remind us this is temporal. We come from somewhere before this, we'll go to somewhere after this. But now that we're in collective suffering, across the globe, we are all grieving, experiencing loss, experiencing PTSD. This conversation is not just a conversation anymore. And it's not just a movement or a disruptor. It's a reality. It's a reality. And it's one that's facing people no matter what they look like on the outside. They're hurting. So the question now is what can we do collectively? to help through those situations, whether that's medical, talking, whether that's reaching out, watching these podcasts, following more about it. This isn't about catching on some trendy PC thing of mental health. It's about that person that Glenn is actually your best, one of your oldest mates, that one day he's here 
and one day he's not. And that can be anyone, anyone. And it really, really hurts if it's you right now, if it's you. And what I love about Glenn and this Imperfectly Perfect campaign is there's always a number at the bottom. There is always a helpline. And no matter what country you're in, call it, use it. I did. And then go to your doctor, go to your friends. But guess what? If you're kind of like me and look like this on the outside, don't expect a lot of empathy or sympathy. But if you are someone that can, and recently, I mean, we watched someone like Meghan Markle come out and say that she felt suicidal and people are going to judge that, what, you've walked in her shoes? She's case in point. But let me ask you this. You walked in her shoes and you're going to what? Bash her on social media and say no? We'll tell you what. Someone like myself, I know that look. I'm not coming to you if there's help because you're going to bash me. Is that really disrupting this movement? Is that really bringing us somewhere? It's yeah. not. That was one thing that actually, out of everything that I saw over the last few days with that, and when that came up, I was like, that has just put this stigma back 100 years again this disruption and then people questioning, like you have no right to question anyone's mental health. And I know that look as well. And you can tell when you've been through something and you've lost somebody and they say that, and for people to say, no, she's lying. How dare you? Like that has just put us back so far when we're trying to move yeah. forward. And I think it's why, I, why I love talking to you and just listening, it's so powerful what you, what you say. It's because you are, you cut through the BS and you say it how it is because that is, that's one of my things with this. It doesn't matter what profession you are, what title you have, human condition, human suffering, we all go it. And there's also the, the toxic positivity where everyone's like, keep going, keep being positive, keep, <laughs> I'm very honest <laughs> saying, like you've seen, I always put the behind the scenes, like showing the construction and that because I don't want to put this, everyone comes to me and go, all these celebrities and all this publicity. And I'm going, yeah, but I give, give, give. And I get empty sometimes. And there's only yeah. very few people, including yourself, who reach out and go, Glenn, how are you doing? Yeah, like, it's taking exactly. Off. So it's this, exactly. Hey, what do you do with that? We need to stop thinking, this is amazing what you're doing. A trend, like we want everyone to, we'll talk about it because that's everything in my message. And I get the professionals to make sure that is in there properly stated going, guys, stop saying I want to be a part of it. Be a part of it without being a part of it. Shit. So let's, let's talk about this, Glenn. Let's talk about this, okay? Because here is the deal, okay? We're bringing something up, so what's the solution? And I'm going to go right out and say this, okay? If you're watching this right now, I don't, I don't own this, this apartment I'm in. This is the man I date's apartment, okay? Um, honestly, like through the pandemic, savings is gone. This last week, someone hacked in my email took half of that stuff. I mean, I might be lucky if I have $600 in my account right now. So don't be fooled by anything on the outside. Hustling, getting the things I have to get done to get work and still not losing sight of that balance. You know, let's be honest about all of this. Okay. I, I get it. And that's why I like the outside part of it, but this is the point on what we just said, spiritual beings in a human experience. Okay. What does that mean? It means that your spiritual being, maybe, maybe I'm sitting here, maybe you're sitting there, maybe you're white, maybe you're black, maybe you're female, maybe you're gay, maybe you're straight, maybe you're Indian, maybe you're whatever you are. That's still just who you are as a human being inside is not who that's not what you are. My son brought up a very interesting question the other day from a philosophy class he was taking on. He said, look, the question in the class was if a boat, 
over time, every single piece of the boat is going to be replaced and upgraded. After 20 years, is that boat still the same boat? And I said, well, the reason your class has asked you that is because that's an esoteric question on the human experience. If the vessel, it's again, are you the vessel? Are you what's inside the vessel? Because if the vessel was, that's what's going to happen to you. He's 17 years old. I said, over time, you're going to go through and every single thing about your vessel is going to change. But is it still you? On the outside, the answer to that question is yes, the, the boat is still the boat. But the journey inside the boat is not. That's just the ideal part. What are we really getting to here, Glenn? Are you the actual vessel, the human? Or are you the experience inside? Because whether you're a princess or you're on the street or you have no legs or you've lost people that have to suicide or anything else, guess what? That inside part is the commonality, everybody. And those struggles when you're judging, and I think that's what more importantly, and that's why I'd like to see, look, it's time for corporate America to wake up. If we're going to have human reach with resources, you know, I didn't even watch the, uh, the episode, but I heard something about saying that the royal family had HR. And I'm like, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. There is no HR. You're looking at her. There's no backup plan. There's no anything. It's me, just like you going into construction and everything else. You know, you are it. But when you're an entrepreneur, you're pulled, pulled from this ability to get back up. You're pulled forward into not to be in a nine to five. You know you've got to do this. You can't explain why. You're rocking the boat and you don't even know why. Those people are de definitely willing to get out there and fly without a net. But you have to understand something. You can't just judge someone by what they're out on the outside. And it's time now, if you're gonna have an HR department, how about just flat out calling it mental health department? Mental health. I have friends in America that are, that are therapists. One of my favorite therapists that I go to stopped taking people because she realized that she could actually work for five top CEOs of one corporation, the top five configurant, and just work on their mental health. That's it. That's what's going on in my country. But again, that's the haves and the have nots. The top tier executives now have private consultation people that can actually just work on their minds. That's it. They're therapists that are hired for the top tier. They need people like you to hire the movement to come in and pay for this, pay for this for everyone, whether they're down on the assembly floor, whether they're an entrepreneur, let this be a government action. It's not just about bringing this out of into a conversation. Well, now what? And how come it's okay if he takes his life because he has no legs, but I'm feeling the same way and it's not okay? No, that's not actually progress. Progress is when we make it a part of a fabric of our day-to-day -day life. And it's not a cop-out. And just because I'm not going to do it doesn't mean that my children aren't suffering or myself is suffering while I'm going through this. So how do I get through it? In the case of me, I was able to afford to go to a doctor, find out I've just gone through menopause in nine months. My cholesterol was another symptom of it. I went from 189 to 389 with no changes in my diet. My body was going through just panic. And that's what that feels like. Those, and that's what a, the whole world is going through this right now. But what if you don't have a doctor? What if you're a woman, you don't realize you're going through menopause? It'll be too late. That's why I'm trying to say it's time that your goal was to disrupt this social media from a dear friend that went to having it all to suddenly being gone. And now it's gone far beyond that. It's time to disrupt our behavior. It's time to not only make it okay for you to say I'm not okay, but now what? What do we do about it? Do we talk about you behind your back because you seem okay? Do we actually envy you because, well, maybe you can do it and I can't? Or maybe I also think, well, good, maybe she'll do it because she has everything. That's the real conversation. It's the human reaction to admitting that you're struggling. That's the real conversation. And what are we going to do about it for those that everyone has access to it? Everyone. No matter who you are, 
When I work with, with people in my industry going that are young kids that were LBGTQ and they're not, they're not runaways, they're throwaways. Their kids kick them out. They're, they're on the streets. You know, and we would say, well, I totally get that you've been suicidal. I get it. Well, I turned to them to say, what the heck is going on here? What the hell is going on? What is wrong with me? Why, why am I feeling like this? And then the other thing, you know, having had a daughter once that was very like this, she goes, mom, did you get it now? It's not really like the way you think about it. It's kind of almost like a sweet idea, isn't it? Like a sweet song. I go, yeah, it's not at all what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be like, oh, you know, this big dramatic, I'm going to take my life. No, it was like a slow, quiet dying inside. And then suddenly sort of like a voice. It was like, you know, you, you, it's not, you don't have to really suffer like this. You can get out. It's horrible. And then you fight that voice. And then to find out for me, it was a simple switch of some hormones. And here I am. But there's a lot of people that aren't going to find that out. So what can we do about that? Let's talk about this corporate America. Let's talk about this for those of you that are out there. Let's talk about how it's okay for anyone to tell you and not bash them because maybe they look differently. They have more than you. They have all their lens. And let's not make it okay to understand if one person that on the outside visually looks like, yep, I'd be feeling that way too. Or when I got my accident, a lot of people would understand. Or when my family, we had deaths. But it's really hard because there's a lot of people that are too afraid to tell you. And that's why they look perfect in social media and then we lose them. They're too afraid and they should be because they're going to get bashed. It's um, everything you just say, like, that's why we get on so well that you just, the passion just exudes from you. And when it's, I've moved this, like you've seen the transition of this moving to corporate America because I want to create that ripple effect. And now it's yes. just that point going and where I'm so transparent, like COVID here, I wasn't working, but yet everything for this campaign to keep it going was still coming out of my pocket because I want to make a change. And then you get these organizations going, this is amazing. Let's collaborate. And I'm like, no, now is the chance. Like you were saying there, Letitia, is get behind it. Like you've got the resources, you've got the money. Glenn, I, I Glenn, <laughs> if top tier America, if people like my therapist have figured out that they don't need to handle 600 people's problems and charge monthly numbers, that four people could cover up that, that's money. And the reason why top tier executives, the same why here in my country, you have what's like an executive package for somewhere like Mayo Health Clinic. And these top tier executives every year are asked to go in because their investment is a lot invested in these guys and girls. So they need to go in and scan their bodies. And I've had friends find cancer this way and find, you know, different problems in their bodies. But I'm like, well, that's great if you're a top tier executive. But here's my question, Glenn. If top tier executives are willing to hire out therapists that were once servicing six, 700 people to take care of four or five top people because they recognize how important this is, what's happening to everybody under that? What's happening to the workers? What's happening to everybody else? And guess what? Welcome to your tragedy. Welcome to this. It doesn't matter if you're in Australia, if you're in Iran, if you're here in this beach. The whole world just went through this. The whole world is grieving. The whole world is going through a disruptor. Now is the time to talk about this. If governments are going to throw money at something, how do we actually make it okay for children to approach? How do we make it okay? That's these kids. They're, I don't know about your country. There are kids taking their lives as young as nine, 10 years old in America right now. Yep. And it's not just kids. It's adults. We are hurting as a species, as a human race. We are hurting. So now is the time to make it not just about a conversation, but literally years ago, there was no such thing as human resources. 
What, were you going to go in and complain that your boss was sexist? Good luck. We've come far because in this sort of initiation, and, and I actually love Francis Weller. If you've not ever had a chance to take a look at him, you should. He talks about the dark parts of life. And this is a dark part that we're all going through, that these are actually invitations toward elevating. And that's just it. Do you really want to go back? Do you want to go, if the Me Too movement came in and Black Lives came in, do we want to go backwards? No. Well, that's where mental health is too. We just haven't, haven't put the moniker on it to really know probably Imperfectly Perfect campaign is the closest thing we have to a Black Lives Matter or to a Me Too movement when it comes to mental health because it's time to actually make people understand it. Businesses in my country know it's not okay to not be catering to diversified groups. It's not okay to have sexist behaviors in a corporation. Well, it's not okay to simply assume everybody's doing great. And then what? Even in your country, I'm going to have a day that says, are you okay? Am I okay? I personally would be home hiding. So then what happens if I tell you, because I look great, I'm not okay. And that's what happened the other night. And everybody looked at her and went, hmm, okay, let's change the subject. That's what we got to get to. And yeah. that's why for me, I called back. No, let's talk about this and let's get some flowers. Let's go outside. Let's talk about how we can do this. You know, the young lady that came to me, let's talk about the sources of strength. What can we do and how do I continue to check in? Not just once or twice. How can we create a, a network, a, a, a whole being? We've done this when we want to socially climb. We've done this when we want to get better at our business. Why isn't there a network that we check in on one another? Because I actually know four girls that I all kind of like me look great that went through something similar. Well, we check in on one another. How's it going? Still here. Me too. Because yeah. we understand. I've seen what it looks like on the other side and I have tremendous empathy for well, anyone that's struggling right now. There, there's something that within my vision, that's always been a vision and I've been speaking to people about it. I, I, I've got to catch you up on it, which is kind of something along these lines that we're doing. Um, but again, it comes to that when you're reaching out to corporate and going, guys, like this is a huge problem. You need to get behind this and put the money in because when it comes to developing something that is the vision and everyone's going, that is amazing. I'm like, yeah, but I've got two kids. I'm already with. Okay, so Glenn, let's, let's, <laughs> let, me, let me ask you this because let's, let's, let's touch on right where you're at, okay? So you, you've got, you know, think about, okay, so you've got a corporation, all right? Let's take from my own experience, daydreaming all day about how can I not, you know, be here. If someone's supposed to be productive on a computer, okay, and they're supposed to work and their mind is not connected in, and this is unfortunately how it comes, if you can prove to that company how much money is being lost on labor by the time that people are spent daydreaming about what they'd rather not even be existing or how much they're hurting, you know, um, for example, I, I was very honest with you and we both have talked about body dysmorphia and I had an eating disorder years ago and after having come back out of that and rehab, I was like, wow, I spent all my days literally thinking about where I could, you know, vomit my food or where, how many calories did I just eat? I wasn't even here. Yeah. So if that's what's going on in a corporation in any country where people aren't really even there, what, how much are you losing? So for someone like you to be able to be hired to come in and teach like sensitivity on how do we approach these subjects? How do I talk to people in, in different parts and let them know it's okay to come in without people snickering at them as they walk down the hall? Because people don't snicker anymore about going to HR. You know, someone goes to HR, you go to HR. But that's where you come in. And that's where taking care of Kat and the kids and being a provider and the two of you within, you know, this is just the problem. This is not a moneymaker yet. Yet. But yet, there is a shortage of therapists right now. There are apps being developed to check in on mental health. Apps like Calm that are coming up to help people learn meditations. Meditative processes are rising. 
Glenn, you're ahead of your movement and that time should come because yeah, you're out there busting your tail and multiple jobs because this doesn't have a dollar sign on it yet. But that's just it. It does because it's not even about human loss. It's for me the most important, but if you're out there running a business and you want to add up how many people sitting at a computer whose minds are off over here thinking about how they could not want to be here, trust me, it's costing you. Mm-hmm. It's going to cost us much more if they're not there, but when they're getting hit in their wallet, you're their answer to understanding that. Yep. Well, that's, yeah, that's something that I'll talk to you off because that's I, the amount of, <laughs> on top of everything else I do, the amount of research I do and those, the data on the, the lost productivity and the cost that is costing them is, is just, but um, yeah, and you, you've got a meeting shortly, haven't you? I do. I do. Um, I do shortly. I haven't even, yeah, we're still good right now. Um, Okay, cool. It's a little bit out. I just wanted to ask you for time. Yeah, no, I'm totally uh, good on time. And Glenn, you know, it's, it's ironic that we're talking almost a year later and I didn't foresee, you know, people once asked me after getting, you know, you don't foresee getting hit by a car and you don't foresee loved ones taking their lives and heartaches and all the rest of it. And certainly none of us saw this one coming, you know, I mean, it's kind of crazy to me, even when we were watching other countries go through it and still thought, hmm, it won't happen to me. And if the pandemic can teach you anything, that's a little bit what mental health like, hmm, won't happen to me. You know, you kind of watch it from afar. Anyone, anyone, yeah, anyone. And so, I, I just want to touch on that because I touched on it earlier before we moved on, but this thing that I was having an issue with quite some time ago about the, the, toxic positivity where there's a lot of coaches and there's a lot of people out there telling people like suppress it suppress it like keep it that like keep positive and it wasn't until like with one of my mentors it was like that's toxic positivity you do have to feel these emotions at times as well just make sure you've got the help around you and the support around you but yeah for me and I'm brutally honest like you know when I, I was going okay well I'm doing this, I'm doing this. I've got to keep positive. I've got to, uh, 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 and there comes a point where you're like, you can't hold this positive notion and you have to let it go and you have to let that negative, as long as you can use that as a positive negative experience. But what's your experience with that being like? Well, you know, it's crazy, Glenn. I would say it's the, it's the toxic positivity and the cancel culture kind of a combination Mm. a lot of what's going on over here people are canceling culture that makes them feel uncomfortable and i feel that's a little bit like toxic positivity let's just go and ignore it and go through it you know stay positive it's the same thing let's let's make it go away so we don't have to see it but if you do that how are you learning from it you know this big kind of make it exit like make it go away it's a little bit uh it's a little bit of a danger area that we're going into as humans i know it's great to stay positive but you know, sometimes, for example, like you and I have talked about on a personal note of like, wow, I'm still in the struggle. <laughs> you know, how does this get going? Well, someone once asked me after I was speaking and I talked about, you know, how, again, spirituality, whether you want to call it the universe, God, whatever your thing is, source. Um, I just personally at this particular time said, you know, it was like when I got hit by the car, God was going to say, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. Like the way with a loving child. And someone came up to me after and said, well, that's not how I see my God, he's so kind and you would never do that. You would never let your children get hurt on purpose, would you? And I looked at her and I said, yeah, I mean, not like physically hurt, but if, you know, if I knew that, you know, every day my kid is going to run into the street or run out in the ocean, am I going to maybe at least take him into the water to teach him? I mean, I'm not going to just keep him out of the water. It's not like I want them to get hurt, but sometimes 
I think you you got to learn something, you know, by a little bit of ex- experience. It's not like I'm going to get out of the way so you can get hit by a car, but it's the same thing. Like I said, when that person asked me, oh, well, after you go through tragedies, you become this more evolved human and try to help other people. And I think, well, I don't want to get hit by a car again, but that's what this pandemic is. That's why it's toxic positivity. You know, I want you to understand and sit in this suffering for a bit. You've lost a lot. What can you learn from this? Learn to swim. You know, I don't just say, oh, well, just just ignore it. Keep going past it. That's not going to help anybody or let's just make it go away. We'll just we're just going to remove it from history. So the next generation doesn't see it. What are they learning from that? What are any of us learning from that? And so since we're at this unique position in history, and it is history, where we're in a world pandemic that people are experiencing grief, loss on the scale of death, um, human losses, uh, financial losses, marital losses, friendship losses, all identity losses. You know, you might have been a doctor, might have been a lawyer. That could be gone. Whatever that is, um, we're at a collective point where for once, and I explained this before, when I was going through what I went through and feeling that way, you try to call someone for, you know, this is exactly what I'm talking about. You try to reach out because you're really struggling and their life is perfect. So they're like, oh, you'll be fine, honey. You're strong. But now it's interesting because it's such an interesting window, Glenn, more than ever to not just say, hey, fuck up, be positive. Because if anything, we're all going through this. So while your life's falling apart, my life's falling apart. And so is the person next door. And so is the person on the street. And so is the person in the government. And so is the person that's in the White House or wherever else, you know, everybody's falling apart. So now more than ever, let's not maybe just trudge through it with positivity. Maybe let's just what are we learning in this? What do I have to offer that you have to offer me? And how can we connect on that? What are we going to share? What did you learn? In, what did you learn in your dark corner, Glenn? What did I learn in mine? Yeah. And how can we actually help other people that are in it? Um, I, I think like that there's... It, 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 what? It, it is truly conversations like this for me. And it's just showing me collectively, there are experts and professionals that can really, really help you and always source yes. out. But even just these hard conversations like we're having now, very open and honest, it takes that conscious collective of us all just sharing our deepest, darkest vulnerability with each other. And then the point of action would be go and speak to a professional who knows how to give you the resources, tools and actions to help you through it. However, it does start with us as well, opening this dialogue, which is why I I, I love Mm -hmm. you when you just you pour your heart out because you want change like me and you're a big empath and you feel the pain of other people. That's why you get it. And you're just like, if I can take that pain away because I know what it's like, but we need to learn from this and we need to collectively, like, like you say, things have progressed, but yet the oldest form of communication is storytelling. Let's share our stories. Let's come together collectively and we can make this happen together. I think the universe way of, trying to tell us if, if we're learning on a spiritual level as well is going, okay, there's the resources there, but in a way, are we learning the lesson? So now we yeah. have you that it doesn't matter imperfectly perfect, regardless, it is still showing you that like you said, whether you're a cleaner or in the government or a pop star or a like mm-hmm. we're on a level field, which is humanity. Yes. We're, we're a spiritual being. Exactly. So that's just it, Glenn, because, you know, when, when, the pen, when, when all of this stuff hit, some people would think, well, you know, some famous rock star or, for example, some of my clients, like Alice Cooper and his wife, Cheryl, are great friends of mine. 
you know, they're stuck at home too, you know? So there wasn't anyone that this spared. It didn't matter. For once in our lives, it really didn't become about what you had or didn't have. You're sitting home. You're sitting home. Your, your life as you know it is gone. It's over. It's done, you know? And then the question is that instead of just let's all be positive, let's all just, you know, let's just stay positive and think about it. What if you're just honest and sitting in it and think instead of that, what, what can I take from here? What can I take and what can I share? And what is the commonality that we're all having? That what is the true lesson in this dark time? What is here? You know, um, I, I kind of, I kind of dread thinking, Glenn, that we're all just going to suddenly go ready, set, go. And suddenly we're going to back on planes. We're going to get back at the job. And I kind of wondered, and this is a question, I guess, for your audience and you, if you're like me and in this year of loss and slowdown, there were also a lot of grace and gifts in that time. Like when I went through that, that dark time, and then when I started feeling good, I suddenly realized my daughter was home for her last year and we were all home together in a small apartment that I moved into that it turned out was really better than the house I had. The time I've gotten with my son when he's in his last year of school, this slow down pace, the ability to start, you know, um, watching movies with my family, I could never do any of this. So the question is, as we pop out of this, are you really want to go back to the way it was? Or is part of you going to maybe miss some of this? You know, and maybe it's time for a hybrid. Maybe it's time to meet in the middle so that we're not all so stressed out and running on empty all the time and giving and giving and pushing and pushing and comparing and social media and who has this and who has that and how could they feel that way? Maybe it's that what this whole thing was about. There's a giant pause. Yeah. Just pause for the earth, for the humans in it. And now maybe as we come back, maybe it's time to take some of that pause and integrate it into the way we do things. You know, maybe sometimes learning from home one day a week or working from home puts me at home. You know, I don't really think I want to run at the pace of the warrior of the past, Glenn. I think I need to figure out a new way to embrace the two. Um, I'm not sure what that is, but I'm trying to evolve into understanding it. And trying to also appreciate those people in my industry and outside of it that are trying to do that too. You know, um, I think that there is a definite connectivity that's happening overall. And I think there's something to learn about not necessarily, well, great, let's go back to the way things were. Yeah. Can you ever really go back? Can I, you ever really go back? And then do you ever really want to? I, I, I personally think with myself, what, whatever anyone's beliefs are and everything, like we can feel what we feel inside and for what I feel, I think this is actually a movement and I think it's going to prolong until we learn. Yeah. That's I why agree. I'm doing, I mean, you can't disregard that we're losing people due to this COVID. I mean, like, Oh no, this is side. horrible. But on the other side, I'm going, I think like you say, the universe is almost like resetting to show us humanity and what it's really all about. And People are either taking to it or not, but it's continuing. It's not like just, it's, so are we learning? There are a lot of people who are learning, but there's still some that are yet to learn, I believe. And I think this is why it's continuing. And some people might be like, oh, whatever. And that's why I say everyone's open to their own interpretation, like throughout everything in their life, their beliefs, whatever. But like, it is a time that I believe that, you have to go inwards and reflect and everybody, you, you're not, you're faced with it. 
you're faced on hitting the ultimate truths. Well, here's the thing, Glenn. I think we can kind of surmise it like this, you and I, because you know, um, it's what we said earlier. Look, you could look at countless people that are in self-help or their therapist or their speakers or motivators. 99% of them went through something traumatic, 99%. And the reason why is because it made them force them into um, really some self-evaluation. And then they learned to fight for what they wanted in their life. And they learned to bring themselves back up and forward. And then they had this tremendous desire to go out and have empathy for others and then help them. And if that helps happens to a small fraction of people that ends up making for better humans, it's now been offered to everyone, Yeah. to everyone. It's now literally unilaterally and universally across this globe offered everyone a wake up call. And it's actually kind of almost like the universe has their handout and it's like, Hey, how about we elevate? And how about as a human race, we start to see each other for the spirituality inside and understand the commonalities in this experience that we struggle, that no matter what we look like, we can almost fade out. And that it's those empathetic, gracious moments that we offer one another, the um, breath uh, that we take in a pause that can be given to others and to ourselves that are ultimately going to allow us to become a much more gentle, kinder human race. I love it. I love it. And uh, yeah, I just, I, I can't thank you enough for like following up a year later and our friendship and always been there for me when I've needed reached out. And, and likewise, I hope I've been there for you. Um, oh, you have. Yeah. You and your family are amazing, Glenn. And, and honestly, keep doing what you're doing. And I, anything I can ever do for you, I will. And I'm really hoping that at some point between all of our countries and across this globe, that people start to really, really maybe look at the work you've done as sort of that tipping point towards how do we incorporate this into um, how we live, Mm -hmm. you know, how we live and how can we can make it a better ride for everyone. Well, thank you. And guys, just remember, just, just remember in terms of this, um, we're never here to say we're professionals, which is why we do put all the links on just to di- a quick disclaimer, but keep on having the hard conversations because it's the hard conversations like this that do save lives. Um, for anybody out there listening, please remember to go to Spotify, iHeartRadio, where you can catch the Imperfectly Perfect podcast along with this episode. As soon as it comes out, I will put all the links to where you can find Letitia. But is there anything, any upcoming projects that you would like to talk about just before you go or just where they can find you? You know, Glenn, my book came out on audiobook um, as well now, and that's still on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and I'd still say no reserve. I mean, I'm clipping through a second book right now, big time, but it's been nice to hear that people, it's kind of helping them through this pandemic as far as the little tools that I learned along the way to pick yourself up through adversity. So that's probably still on the forefront of everything. I mean, I'm still raising funds all across America, but uh, there's a lot going on with the book and speaking engagements. So really just kind of trying to everybody to to take the chance to um, pick themselves up through adversity. Cool. Well, guys, there you have it. I will put all the links up to that. And it is an incredible book. Letitia sent me a copy. I've read it. Uh, my wife's read it as well, by the way. I've not told you that, but <laughs> absolutely. Oh, I love that. <laughs> but uh, until next time, guys, keep having those hard conversations. To find out more about the Imperfectly Perfect campaign and how you can get involved, simply head to our official website at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org or email us today at info at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org to speak to one of the team. 
The Imperfectly Perfect campaign is creating awareness and is not a substitute for professional advice. Should you need help, please refer to your nearest crisis number.